Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Well, I'm really excited about talking about some of these subjects. Uh, and you want to go first? What's on your mind? Or? Yes, yes, thanks. So um, I'm kind of late to the party here. It's like this has been going on for about six to eight weeks or so. But um, I want to talk about the Let's Go Brandon movement. Mm. And um, so for those of you who don't know or are unfamiliar, this originated at a NASCAR event. Um, there was a race car driver named Brandon Brown. And uh, he was being interviewed by an NBC reporter and the the crowd was chanting something mm-hmm. and the NBC reporter say hey said hey listen to the crowd Brandon they're they're cheering mm. for you let's go Brandon but you go back to hear the the clip and it is it is very clearly saying expletive Joe Biden mm. so f Joe Biden okay and um that's the chant and so that let's go Brandon kind of turned into a rally cry for people who are, you know, maybe more conservative leaning or who, you know, Republicans, things like that. And I just think that's foul. I agree. I just think it's really, really not okay to just say F someone like, it's just not okay. So yeah. Why have we got, how did we get here? Cause I don't think, I think, Five years ago, or I don't know how many years ago, that wouldn't have been tolerated in culture. So what? What do you think has gotten us here? Well, they they did the same thing to Donald Trump too. Sure, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, yeah, so I I think this isn't just a, a one size. Yeah, you know, so it, it has something about the broader culture, or what? What makes you so angry about? It? I mean, it, there's pretty obvious, but like, what what kind of burns your? Well, I think that you know we don't have to agree with a party or an ideology mm-hmm. or a politician. But I just think it's really in poor taste to just say F that person simply because you don't agree with what they're doing. And I mean, listen, I'm not perfect. Have I said things like that before? Yes. Will I probably say it again about other people? Yeah, maybe. But but, you know, I, I do acknowledge that I, th- I don't think it's a very good way to just even harbor the feelings like that. You know, if you if you try to assume that our politicians and our our religious leaders and things like that are, are trying to do what they feel is best for mm-hmm. the American people and for the world, mm-hmm. for the country. And you work under the assumption that they're trying to do what they, what they really truly feel is, is best. I think that's, you know, it, it, you'll save yourself a lot of grief if you mm-hmm. start, you know, if you don't put motives on people, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think a lot of times, you know, we're putting motives, you know, let's go Brandon. They're put, they're putting motives on Joe Biden. They don't agree with what he's doing. They think he's out to get the country. And I, I just think I just think it's foul. I think it kind of breaks down any kind of opportunity for dialogue, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think what was so fascinating how this country was started was that having these different parties kind of was supposed to balance out the other mm-hmm. one, allow, and it started with this idea of that of human nature not being a good thing. That there was an assumption that if we'd give all the power to one side and just say they're all wrong and we're all right. Our human nature is going to turn into, you know, King Henry from England. We're going to start chopping people's heads off. So when mm-hmm. they started this country, they said, we want to have these checks and balances. But when you kind of discredit a whole group of people, there's no check and balance. You're just, I think that's the hard part. I, I mean, I, I used to listen to a lot more radio, I just talk radio or different things like that. And I, I listen to less and watch less news now just because... It's pretty clear that the message is going to be they're all wrong, we're all right. There's mm-hmm. endless things that you could talk about r- being wrong for other people, um, and it doesn't lead to anything better, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ju- if I just totally discredit you, then I have no, not, I'm not going to learn anything from you, uh, or even figure out how you got there. And maybe there's a good reason. Maybe I still disagree with you, but how did you even get to some of the positions that you hold? But if I discredit you, there's no opportunity for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I don't know. I mean, I agree. I think it's a bad idea. I've seen, I saw some guy on YouTube who was kind of, I don't know, he was some conservative YouTuber guy and, and he's made shirts for it. Like he's selling like, let's go Brandon shirts. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, 
you know, if you're trying to make money off it, that's that's a reason to do it. But what is otherwise? What's the point? Like, what are you? You're causing division, really. Yeah, but you're trying to feel better, maybe that your side isn't in power. I don't know. Oh, there you go. And I think using that let's go brand is kind of like that. We're insiders. We know what we're really saying, and yeah. you know, kind of a tip off that. Yeah, that's that can be really dangerous. I mean, not only is it foul, but now it's like, and we're kind of secretive about it. We're not saying exactly what we're actually saying, but we yeah. on the inside know what this no. actually means, you know? Yeah. And that's like the perfect storm yeah. for people who, you know, it's, it's it, cause it's a joke. It's a joke too. You know, it's not just like, it's our, it's not like our secret code word for this is what we believe. It's also funny mm-hmm. because um, the reporter got it wrong, and, and I think the reporter knew, but was just trying to like trying to cover, right. cover it right. up. Can you right. imagine being that reporter, being like, "What do I do with this?" They obviously yeah. can hear it. Let's turn it into something yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh man. Way to think on your feet, sister. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What if I could throw a little uh, early Christian history in here? You know what marked the early Christians? They were obviously they did not like what was going on in the government. They were being persecuted and and burned at the stake. I mean. Nero and some of the early emperors would light Christians on torches uh, just for their faith and blame the, the, the fire in Rome on Christians. But they also couldn't explain Christians because Christians were also the best citizens. Like they were still upholding the government. Um, it says in Romans 13 that, that, that God has given us those people in, a, in authority. They are God's servants which is a crazy thing for Paul to say that that the leaders are God's servants because he's writing to the Romans and that Roman emperor was wrong in so many different ways. But I think there's some wisdom there. Like if we don't honor our government in the areas that we can't, as insofar as we can, mm-hmm. it's just going to lead to total chaos mm-hmm. and just uh, anarchy. And so... I mean, just, I love that his line in, in Romans 12, he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Unfortunately, I think that let's go Brandon kind of movement is kind of couched in, you know, God and country, right? And so some people think this is a Christian response, Correct. right? Is Correct. that what, And that's mm-hmm. offensive to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I think the other thing that we have to remember is like, when we look at the values of Christianity, they don't line up with either religious party. I mean, there's good things on either side. You mean, you mean political, political party? Poli- yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Thank you. Okay. Political party. And we want to s- emphasize whatever political party we want. We want to emph- and we're, if we call ourselves Christians, we want to emphasize those few things that we can find in our, our political party, whether it's liberal or conservative, and, and magnify. Say, this is the Christian party, but Christianity doesn't neatly fit into either side. Right. So right, that's a great point. Great point. I think I think if you had a part party that identified with Christianity, it's upsetting because you'd want to see them be the bigger person, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if when Trump is in power and people are, you know, saying the same thing about Donald Trump and you know, and then people are like, "Well, that's our president, you shouldn't say that." Then it's, you know, you can't have them turn around and do the same thing when there's a Democrat in power. Right. Yeah. It's right. just that's just nonsense. Right. I just think that's what makes Christianity so unique. Again, that the early Christians were, they would be faithful to the Roman laws, and at the same breath, they might die by the Romans, and yet they were still following the laws. They were still paying their taxes. They were still honoring the government. But when the emperor said, you have to burn incense to me and worship me, they said, that's where we draw the line. And so I think Christians need to have a, a line that they won't step over, you know, whether that's I'm not going to support abortion or I'm not going to support racism or I'm not going to support any of these different things, um, have this line that I'll follow politics or my government, but then there's this line that I'm not going to, I'm not going to cross. But again, it doesn't fit into a clear political party. That's what we need to gather as a congregation, gather as believers. Mm So, yeah, cool. I don't know if there's anything else on that one. I just, that's really sad. It's really sad. I think it's sad too. What? What have been some, have you been following like the response on this or what are people saying about it or not really? Not really. I I guess I just kind of see, you know, people using it Mm -hmm. and the merchandise that's coming out and, um, you know, I see it on social media and things like that. And I just think, why, why are you getting yourself so worked up over this? Like, Mm -hmm. it just seems like a waste of energy. 
and a waste of time. Anger can be invigorating, you know, like yeah. it, 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 like that. I think if you, I heard one comedian once say like, you want to get really excited, all you need is some enemies. And if we can kind of paint some enemies, you know, that can really And get then it people, unifies, yeah. you know, the, the group, yeah. So if we can have, all have the same enemy and we can paint somebody as this kind of person, it's, it's pretty easy to gather a movement. It's like one of the quickest ways to get people together. And I didn't realize there was merchandise and all that stuff. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. Songs have been made, okay. you know, and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, the merchandise I think bothers me in general. Like people putting like the signs out in their front yard. Mm. Um, even just like the normal ones that are like, biden for president like why would you ever put a sign with your political leanings in your front yard i think in the past maybe for either side those things uh used to be maybe like almost advertisement like look at this is what i believe but now i think we're so polarized now it's like dangerous yeah it's like this is what i believe and i'm gonna stick it to you what either side right and Mm -hmm. that's that's a different it's not necessarily advertising or like are trying to create a movement it's almost trying to like put your stake in the ground like don't mess with me this is who i this is who i stand for almost Mm -hmm. i think i don't Mm -hmm. know yep which i think if if i'd be happy to talk more on this or if we want to move on to the next subject or what are some other can move or did you have another point you wanted to make i don't think so I, i i just well maybe just the question of like what can we do about it how can we be a counter to that what what's the what, I don't know what do you guys think is there a way that what's a helpful response to that kind of behavior well I think when I see it you know maybe just questioning it you know if, depending mm-hmm. on who's saying it yeah you know I'm not going to get into random arguments with random people on social media but if yeah sometimes <laughs> um but if a you know if I hear a friend saying it or mm. you know and and just saying, well, why, why is that helpful? You know, why, mm, what's good. the point of this? What is the point? And yeah. That's really good. I don't think I always have the courage to, to say it in the moment, right? I need to work mm-hmm. on that. Like, this is wrong. Uh, this is not, if you, if you call yourself a Christian, you can't be for this kind of behavior, whether or not, whatever you, your political beliefs are. I don't know. What do you mm-hmm. think, Matt? How do we overcome some of this behavior? I don't know. I think a big step is just like, don't bring up politics. Like, my thing is, like, people get so worked up about it, and it's, like, you get to vote on a president, like, once every four years. Like, how much of your life are you going to bank on that one decision every four years Mm -hmm. when you can make good decisions every day? Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. That's really good. Yeah, it's it's hard, too, right? I mean, holidays are one of those times where I think family comes together, and a family maybe was unified around religion and politics or something in the past and i think we're you know there's been i've I've seen quite a bit of different things out there on how to get through the holidays in a you know divided family because like you know like how do you talk over thanksgiving if you don't have anything that yeah right And, and, and i think it's it's hard and and i wish there was a way to be able to talk about some of this stuff without making it personal and i think that's the problem is that this politics has become our new identity Mm-hmm. where it maybe it used to be Christianity or our faith or our family or our job. And because it's our new identity, if you don't agree or if you disagree with somebody, you know, you're attacking something that's like so core to who people are now mm-hmm. where it's become the new identity. I am instead of I'm a Christian or I'm a human being, mm-hmm. I am a Republican, I'm a Democrat. And, and so, you know, I've, I've seen people on both sides. I've read about this where, you know, they're not, they're not welcome to the, wedding anymore because of their political or they're you know excommunicating their kids from the family because they're not following the political agenda and and it's just too bad yeah Yeah. these things used to be again this kind of tension like a a tightrope tension that would kind of pull each other back and forth to to some good things and now it's just become this tug of war where we're just pulling at each other so i think we should talk about politics i mean not right now but like amongst our friends i know that that you know I do with my friends Mm -hmm. and I've got people on every end of the, you know, every part of the spectrum. And I think it's important, but, you know, hopefully we're mature enough individuals to discuss Mm. ideas. Yeah. Not maybe people or, you know, and how, how does this work? And what, you know, 
So I think we should talk about it. So how do you navigate that? Is it you're able to because you just have such deep trust with these people or what is it? I think so because I think at the end of the day, you know, these are people are very close friends and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, yeah, I mean, it's gotten heated, yeah. you know, but I don't know. Yeah, I think if if you have trust there and they care about you and you care about them, I think you can have it. I think that's another thing is that we've become so distant we don't a lot of people don't have deep friendships anymore you know they have so many superficial friendships that it's easy to write somebody off you don't care enough about Mm -hmm. them to say you know what hey i we can talk about this and we can still be friends when it's over and i I think there's something there too that we just don't have the 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 trust and the relationship capital anymore with lots of people to be able to talk about some deeper things Mm -hmm. so i think that that's another challenge that if we work on friendship first we could talk about some of these other mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. right i think along with that you probably just have to stay off the internet because <laughs> like, if you're not actually you know if you're going to have that conversation with someone you care about it's not going to be on the internet yeah how many how many of these things on social media actually like that changed my mind you know like <laughs> i had a really good chat with somebody yeah on facebook or instagram or something <laughs> and you know now i am this whole other political party yeah. and I, i've seen the light and mm-hmm. It's just not a good place for it. And the things that you would say on there, you would probably never say in person. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of does lead into this next idea of like, so who's telling us the truth? I thought about this. um, I was reading an article in The Guardian on a woman who she got into like kind of the wellness movement big time, but then also kind of this whole wellness group also got into some of these conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. to the point where she just did some really bizarre things out in public, uh, just kind of lost her brain. And it it had all to do with like kind of getting caught in her own feedback loop on, on social media until she kind of got in the QAnon, you know, cycle. And, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, asking this question, like, all right, if we get into these uh, groups where, where we're being fed all this information, how do you um, how do you get out of it? And I don't know how many of you have seen that the so, um, the social dilemma that Netflix mm, documentary. Yeah. It it basically was talking about uh, the the social dilemma. The basic premise of the document documentary is that these algorithms, when we're watching um, whether YouTube or on Facebook, whatever, these algorithms are set up to keep you hooked. And so if you keep on clicking, you're going to keep on seeing more extreme things. And they were predicting that uh, with all all the Internet use, I, don't, I think this was even pre-pandemic, so they didn't realize how much we'd be on the Internet, that if you would just kind of keep on clicking, you would go for a harder hit, a harder hit, until we kind of wind up in these extreme spots, believing these extreme things uh, that, that are total conspiracies and yet be been so bought in. And it made me think of that movie, The Truman Show, where like we've created this whole world that we live in that's fake and we we don't know what's reality. So that got me thinking, you're like, all right, who's telling the truth? How do you figure out what's truth? I mean, pick your subject, pick your thought. I mean, whether it's the the, the politics, whether it's the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. whether it's the vaccine, whether it's, you know, where do I go to church? Uh, You know, how do I raise my kids? I mean, is it as simple as putting the, you know, question in the in the google search but then you realize like that's driven by by money you know advertising paid paid to get higher higher on the search engine um i think it used to be so i had some things written down here you know we used to listen to news organizations um you know as a kind of our in our bastion of truth and i think now it's so much fake news so much clickbait then we used to trust institutions like schools and governments, but now we see some of the the ways that they've been influenced by different movements or, or money. money or things like that. And maybe this was always there. It just seems to be more in your face now. Uh, we used to trust experts, but you know, I, I read something that the guy who found out that when we wash our hands, like that would stop some of these uh, infant mortality rate because the doctors were working on the morticians, they were working on dead bodies and then they would go into the next room and then deliver a baby and the babies were dying. And so he was the one who kind of said, you know, was watching this and said, you know, if we would just wash our hands, then 
we wouldn't have this high mortality rate with mm-hmm. our, with babies, right? And he was making these connections before they could actually see it. And that was the science. It was proven. And yet they called him a quack. Uh, it took 10 years, I think, from the moment he discovered that and started advertising until it became public science. So if you say science is the answer, well, see how, how slow. So if you say I, we trust the experts, well, the amount of time it takes for reality to Correct. To, 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 to catch up, Correct. it takes forever. So mm-hmm. can you really trust the they experts? They had us sanitizing our groceries. Yeah, right. Until they found out that maybe it doesn't, you know, coronavirus doesn't stay on the surfaces as long as maybe they had thought. So that's just an example that I always think of. Like, I was sanitizing my groceries. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I guess I just wanted to hear you guys, you know, so in this kind of world where it's like, what do you guys do? How do you find truth? What's a litmus test? Who do you who do you trust? Who do you believe? Um, no wh- one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's right. Feisty. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So why why do you say that? What do you mean? Well, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how I've got these friends that you know are on very opposite ends of you know the spectrum, and they they all send us you know news articles, and I feel like sometimes you know that like my husband Dave and I are like. We're pretty moderate mm-hmm. and able to kind of take this information that we're getting from our, our friend groups and to try to sort through it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I guess it's, it is a matter of who do, who do you trust and every, you know, our friend groups think that they have the right answers and yeah. they've been doing all this research. And I guess I just don't really fully mm-hmm. buy any of it yep. you know there's two sides to every story and then there's the truth and i feel yeah. like somewhere in the middle you know there might both have components of accuracy but i i don't know i don't really trust anything fully mm-hmm. it, with regard to you know some of these yeah polarizing topics but what do you think matt how do you tell what's true or not i don't know that's a good question um is the truth um good for its own sake is the truth always helpful Mm -hmm. i mean is that how you tell what's true when when you when you start thinking some way and it it starts becoming helpful to you you know so i think uh i've been reading a book really great book by john mark comer called live no lies he talks Mm -hmm. it's just such a fan i just highly recommend it um but he says that he says the devil's main goal is to tell lies he's a father of lies Mm mm-hmm Uh, And that's what he's been doing since the beginning. That's what Jesus says. I think it's in John 8. And uh, so he defines truth as reality. So that which matches up with reality. So, you know, it might not feel good. I mean, I think if, I think that's the the other concern I have. People say, oh, there's truth is just whatever you want to make it to be. And whatever makes you feel good, that's true. But like so many things that feel good in the, in the beginning, make me feel awful later on. So you can't let your, you know, your feelings just dictate your truth. Or find your truth, that idea, but like, it's reality. Like, what let what what lines up with reality? And it's it gets harder and harder. But I think for me, figuring out what's true is like kind of like what you figure out if gravity's true or not. You know, you walk off the ledge, and if you you can fight gravity all you want, um, but it's gonna win. I mean, that's just true. And so with some of these different things. I think it's stepping away from the news, stepping away from some of these things, recognizing there's so many agendas in this. And then how can I personally go for a walk outside and just ask some questions? You know, when everybody's saying the sky is falling, I'm going to walk outside and see, like, is it really falling? Is it as bad as what what we say? Um, You know, I think during the time of, like, communist... uh, Soviet Union or or Hitler's Germany, they were always downplaying the problem, you know, like, oh, don't worry, it's not really, you know, they're not really taking the Jews into concentration camps. But if you looked out your door and you saw your neighbor who's Jewish leave, like, no, this is really happening. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what you have to do. You have to ask yourself some really questions. Is this really happening? What matches up with reality? So that's what I'm trying to do lately is, is, question it kind of what you're saying Annie, and like not believe it all 
uh, and then just keep asking myself the question, is this really what lines up with reality? Is this really what I'm running into? I think, though, that the reality is different for different people. So, sure. like, I'm thinking about my friends who are in the healthcare industry. Okay. And, you know, mm. when we talk about, you know, the pandemic, and they're seeing things that I'm not seeing. Yeah, that's good. And I almost trust their firsthand experience sure. coming directly from them mm-hmm. more than I would trust an article or you know i mean to me i and maybe that's that's dumb but i you know listening to them talk about what what's happening and what they're seeing and experiencing personally that is more impactful to Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. than to read an article with a bunch of numbers in it yeah i think that goes back to having those relationships right and then maybe i don't know do you ask i mean I would think you'd ask more questions too. You, you can you can kind of have a dialogue with Definitely. that kind of person, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, tell me more about that instead of just reading a headline. And I think a lot of people are just reading a tweet, reading a headline, and then they make all these assumptions. Not and, the full article they don't read. Right. And s- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What do you think, Matt? Um, I, I could see where you'd run into problems um, if you talk to people rather than reading headlines. Well, you know, theoretically, the statistics are are a better gauge of what's going on right. than someone's experience, right. you know. Um, but then there, there's all these things about how statistics can be kind of manipulated, tweaked and yeah, oh, manipulated yeah. and mi- very misleading. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's what I mean about that whole. Ex- I mean, how do you have a totally non-judgmental, you know, view of truth it's just so so hard i may i could just read a little bit of from this john mark homer in this book this is how Mm -hmm. he talks about reality says the best definition i know of truth is reality or that which corresponds to reality the chair i'm sitting in is reality the air i'm breathing is reality jesus is reality and the best definition of reality i know is when what you run into when you're wrong if you say i believe i can fly and you walk off the top of a 10-story building, reality is what you hit a few seconds later. Hence the cliche, a dose of reality. So I just love that because I think today we're talking about truth as being yet. Yeah, what I feel, what I like, what I want, my truth versus your truth. And and I love that he equals it with reality. So equates it with reality. Mm-hmm. So here's a thought then. Let's hear it. Um, Thinker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, maybe the reason that um, our po- like our politics, for example, are so divided because uh, we never meet reality, because the the two sides that have the strongest opinions are the most extreme and and will probably never implement any of those policies. Right. So they never know if they're wrong. They just think that they're right, and we haven't gotten there yet. Mm. That's and dangerous. That's what I think. You know, fear. And fear can make you get your own reality, right? And I guess mm-hmm. that's what I mean about if you live in this kind of digital echo chamber of clickbait and keep mm-hmm. moving, like you can, you have a virtual reality mm-hmm. that's not reality. And that's why I said, you know, that idea of take off the glasses, take off the step away from your computer and go outside and, and get away from the virtual reality and just see what is actually reality. And, and that includes, yeah, talking to some experts who are seeing reality maybe in the hospitals or seen reality in these different, different areas. And, uh, so now this is a, an old problem. I, I was just actually reading from Isaiah and the book of Isaiah. This is written, um, 2,700 years ago. Just th- th- couldn't this be like the advice given today? He says this, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the ways of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And in a sense, so like God is in control. If you really want to be in awe, that's how, kind of the Old Testament idea of fear. Uh, has this idea of fear uh, of awe and, you know, a righteous fear of things could go really wrong if I meet up against him. Um, that's what you should be concerned about. And don't call everything conspiracy that people call conspiracy. And I think that's the idea is that so much is so much of the clickbait is on fear. When I started writing a, a, a blog and I was looking on different 
blog sites, they would tell you if you want more people to click on your blog, make sure you have kind of a negative headline. Make sure you have kind of a, um, you know. Good to know. Yeah, that's right. You know, it, and, and, and it's just because so, it's just like human psychology. You know, I don't buy into I don't do that. But I, I, you know, I think it's just interesting. Like you can have the exact same article, uh, exact same information in the article and how you title it. If you make it fear based versus just neutral or helpful or whatever, you're going to get m way more traction on the fear based headline. So why is that is the question? Yeah, I think that's just a natural response. Yeah. We, we don't want to we don't want to be in we th that emotion of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it kind of ignites ignites our, our sympathetic system. And and, um, you, you know, the f fight or flight and parasympathetic and sympathetic system. And, and they're they're going to be keyed on that. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people look at that from maybe a Darwinian view they would say well that's that's survival of the fittest i think it's just how god created us to be that um you know when you're afraid everything else starts to shut down your your actually your your organs start shutting down you're hyper focused on this thing and it's all about protecting yourself and so if you're afraid you don't have room for logic you don't have room for critical thinking uh you're only focused on survival and and so i think that's why those things you know, people buy into them. And are they clicking on these things because they, they want to be in the know, they don't want to mm -hmm. be caught off guard and they want to see, mm -hmm. you know, what am I, what am I up against? Yeah. I think that's dangerous. I think a lot of the conspiracy theories, the one I heard most recently is, um, sanitizing the internet, which kind of goes along with, mm. you know, how, where are we getting our information? Yeah. There's just so much information. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like exactly. I didn't really we look. We need more Mark Zuckerberg censorship is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it what it means exactly. I just kind of heard it in passing, but um, it seems to be. Yeah, it's just really hard. I I think that's, it's just, this is just really hard to figure out. I guess that's why I wanted to discuss with you guys about what I think in previous generation, they would ask their parents, right? but now kids are going to YouTube first and they're learning things first with, with kind of bypassing the previous generation. And there's a lot of super helpful stuff. I mean, if I'm going to do anything, I'll probably go to YouTube first. Mm -hmm. But if you keep, again, clicking on that, and if their goal is to keep you watching, you're going to keep on clicking on things until you get to the most extreme. And I guess that's a scary thing. Is that true, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us, Matt. Yeah, Matt, tell us. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, my, my suggestions page always has, you know, more of the same, I guess. So yeah, I think that's true. I think it's kind of sad. You have to like stop yourself from, stop yourself from watching that kind of stuff. Going down the rabbit hole. I had, I had two reactions to what you said earlier, Ben. Um, one is, I think, I think it's great that passage that you brought up from Isaiah, right? Yeah. It's Isaiah 8, 11 through 13. Um, that use, using God as your compass for truth. Um, what if what if someone's not a Christian? And I I think, um, because pe people who are extremists probably don't think of themselves as extremists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, th those things are always on a sliding scale, and and I think, you know, you can say things like get off the internet, right? Go out, talk, to, go go I interact with the quote unquote real world, um. And that's that's maybe your dose of reality, but at the same time, um, who says you can trust your opinion? Yeah, that's and, good. You know, you're you're going to be biased already, right? And and so, what do you say to someone who's who doesn't have God as a moral company? You could say, well, the things you think are crazy. They're like, well, you think things that I don't think. Maybe what you think is crazy. <laughs> yeah, know? no, I think th that's good. Uh, I think philosophers have been talking about that for a long time. Can you tr trust your own senses? Can you, can you trust? I mean, that's what the movie, the matrix was all about. You can't mm -hmm. really even trust your own senses. How do you know you're just not a suck in a fishbowl somewhere and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you mm -hmm. can't trust exactly what you're experiencing. Um, I mean, to be honest, if your worldview is we all got here by accident, chaos started us, and nothing is holding back chaos and it is all up to me to figure it all out. I can see why you'd be afraid. Right. 
Um, it is all on you. You have to mitigate all problems. You have to figure it all out. There is no over uh, overarching story. And I think our job as Christians is to have compassion on that because that's that's like kind of just the mind without without a vision of God. I think uh, have some compassion because it is scary. That is a scary world to actually think about it that way, right? I think that's what the comfort of the Christian message is: is that this world was designed, and the way the Bible is the only worldview I know of that begins saying it was good. All the other ancient ideas of the origin story all say it started with chaos, whether you look at a, a Darwinian idea or or any kind of other ancient like Babylonian idea. It's all, it started random chaos, and so chaos is what you should expect, right? And when you see wars and all these things and pandemics and all that, that's just the, that's just kind of reality. That's just what we should expect. I think the beauty of the Christian message is God said he created everything good in the beginning. We turned our back on God, and that's why we feel chaos. But he is the message of Christianity is that he's going to bring order back to the chaos, that he's going to use all things for the good of those who love him, uh, that he's going to use even the bad things uh, to further uh, his ultimate purpose of bringing us back to him. So I think if you don't have faith, you know, have compassion with, with those people. And, and, and I think that would be an opportunity for, for you know, to come on myself as a Christian to say, you know what, um, let me tell you about, about why I believe that we don't always need to be afraid. And I think Romans 8, the whole, the whole section, neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, I think, is just such a, the whole, it's a longer chapter. It's such a place of stability in a world of chaos. So, I don't know, what do you think? Um, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Because um, I just kept going on and on and it's, on. It's just, yeah, it's a slog at this point. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I, I guess I, I guess I agree with that. Um, I think it's tough when you see um, Christians who make their identity more about their their plans for this world than for mm. the next world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess we all do that sometimes in a lot of different ways. Um, well, that's, I think, an argument, too, that I've heard where, you know, Christianity is a scam because, yeah, why, I mean, if, if, if the, the religion has you thinking about something, mm-hmm. you know, outside of this world, like, it just... I've I've heard it called a scam. Yeah. Well, I think that is a we've given a caricature of the Christian message. Um and that comes kind of out of medieval times this idea that this whole world's going down into hell and fire and uh, it's going down like the Titanic and our, the whole point of Christianity is to jump to the life raft of Jesus, right? And so it is a scam if it, that's the view. But really the way the Bible talks about the story is God created everything good and he's coming back to this world and he's going to make this world renewed. And so it is all about this world. It's about resurrected bodies. It's about, um, and so right now our job is to, like we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come to bring God's good kingdom of loving God, loving people, uh, bringing order back to this chaotic world and waiting for him to return and finish the job. If your idea of heaven and the story of Christianity is the Titanic story, that this whole world's going down, I'm just going to hold on and wait for me to jump to that life raft, I can see how it would be considered a scam. But but God made this world. He loves this world. He wants to renew this world, and he wants to work in this world, and he can't. Mm. And, and, and so we're looking for the day that he's going to re- reunite heaven and earth. That's, that's really the Christian message. Yeah, and probably we have to do a better job of actually— being in the world yeah. and, and actually helping other people maybe and, and being loving and charitable yeah, because that, that lends a little credence to the, the, the whole salvation thing. Yeah. Know? It's not like we're just like, like hiding away in our little like monk holes. Right. And just biding our time until we die and are resurrected. I do think very often, you know, people who don't believe, in Christianity or Jesus very often can outdo Christians in how they take care of people and yes. how they how they take care of the world. Agreed. And mm-hmm. so uh, 
unfortunately, I think it's because of our bad theology. Sometimes we should be on the front lines of those things and we can learn something yeah. uh, on how to take care of the world and take care of uh, each other because that's really what our theology should be pointing us to. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I had a I had a thought about when you said um, about how humans are, are always looking for the next thing to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, and I heard this stat or this study that was done i think it was on humans and on squirrels okay um (laughs) makes sense yeah it's a fair game um humans are engaged in their sympathetic nervous system like 75 percent of the time Mm. and squirrels are like only 25 (laughs) percent but you just think about like how startled they are all the time right yeah like every day they're, you know, looking for food in this. And if they don't find food, they die. Yeah. And and we're three times more nervous and anxious than they are. That's you know? crazy. That's yeah. Bad. When I look at a squirrel, they always look like they're, they're freaking, freaking out. out. Yeah. And if we're, we're more freaking out than squirrels. More fr- we're, more f- we're three times more freaking. We're, we're spending more of our time being anxious and nervous yeah. than not. And we have more food than we can. We're always trying to figure yeah. out how to not eat so much food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I better work out more. I like burn more energy. I have so much excess energy, you know. That I think that is the issue that we have to figure out is how to calm down. I mean, that is my wife, she says, I want to write a book calm the hell down and i think it's a great <laughs> i think it's a great title you know it just because i i think there is something we need to figure it out and there's so i kind of talked about this in the last podcast there's such a movement for mindfulness and and meditation things because i think we are and i think it ties into what i was saying we, yes. we don't know what's true we mm-hmm. don't know who's around the corner we don't know who to believe we're we're, we're jacked up on fear all the time uh how do you actually calm down that's that's worth our study and figuring that one out that's good i think we exhausted that one Uh, i'm good i want to hear what you have to say matt what's the next topic last topic so my my thoughts are on money in general or like jobs finance all that which obviously i'm very interested in um but i guess just in general what do you think that the bible says what do you think about um Where's the line between saving and worrying? What's the line between being generous and just being very irresponsible? Mm-hmm. What's the line between, you know, buying things you want and, and sort of having faith? Like, because it would be very easy mm-hmm. to be, you know, well, I'm going to buy this today and I have faith that God will take care of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to say, I need to save everything verse you know maybe you're just worrying not and you're not putting your faith in god so i don't know what did you what do you what do you have to say about it Uh, Annie? i think i've heard you say how much you pray in different situations on different things about like wanting to help this person do i help them or not you know and i've always appreciated uh those little stories that you said you mean like like uh uh, home, like, or a, yeah. you know, somebody's um, yeah. a panhandler, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what the, what's the current term. <laughs> I don't know. Um, right. I just feel like you do a good job of that in lots of different s- scenarios. You said, I was just praying about this first. And so I think that's something like Paul says in, I think it's Romans 14. He says, um, whatever is not done in faith is sin. Right. And I think God has given us the desire to, or, you know, the, 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 the gifts to enjoy something. If you see it as a gift, I also wonder like how much of our spending is because we're we're trying to cope with a hard situation like you know that mm-hmm. whole idea of of, yeah. of of spending money as a coping mechanism or buying things as a coping mechanism you know it's not done out of faith like oh I saved up for this I'm going to buy this cuz I enjoy it I'm going to thank God for it it's I'm really nervous. I'm really anxious. Life's really hard right now. I'm going to go spend money on that thing. I do that with shoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I do that with food, but that's yeah, food. shoes yeah like yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I'm eating my feelings. Like I'm purchasing my feelings. Right? I just like, feel yeah. better somehow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's temporary. It's you so know? bad for you. It's so, I do that. Yeah, I do that with snacks all the time. Snacks. Yeah. Snacks. Snacks on snacks. So like when you get when Dave gets home and he sees like five more pairs of shoes, like oh, it's been a rough man. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rough day today. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Moving along. Moving along. That's it's, a, funny. it's a shoe drive. I promise. I promise. <laughs> 
It, uh, it is interesting, though, because the Bible does talk about money more than almost any other subject. Uh, it's been said that Jesus talks more about money than prayer, uh, than about faith or anything else, because I think it is at the core, like, you could kind of substitute money for God in so many ways, and Jesus does that. Like, if you have money, you feel a security, you see, feel a sense of power, you feel a sense of control. And Jesus says you can't love God and money, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they can kind of feel like the same thing. And so I think the wisdom of giving first to God is important as a way of kind of rewiring your brain like, oh yeah, this is all God's. I have it as a gift. I didn't, I didn't come up with these talents. I didn't come up with this job. I didn't come up with all of this. Like everything I have is a gift of God. And I think when we were more agrarian society and things like that, and you had a farm, like you really had to depend on the rain coming. You saw that coming from God. So I think giving first to the Lord, uh, whether you give to a local church or a charity or whatever, um, that reminds your yourself, this is God's money. So that's a good start. And then, um, and then, yeah, the Bible and Proverbs talks about saving. So I think that's a good thing. Like being, having, having money stored up. I'm not always very good at that. And then it does say in, I think it's, uh, first Timothy or is it second Timothy where it says, you know, God has given us everything for our enjoyment. Um, so to, to, to see that it's okay to enjoy it. Um, book of Ecclesiastes talks about that. Um, yeah, but it's hard because like some things come out of the blue and then you like beat yourself up like, oh crap, we don't have enough money for the, to make all of our bills. And we just spent this money on this. It was kind of frivolous. And there's a lot of guilt around this. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to empty out the church, talk about money, not because people feel really guilty around it. Yeah. Um, so to get into maybe like more of the personal finance part of it, um, I have a friend and she's, I mean, she's quite a bit older than I am. She's almost 39, you know, way up there. You better not be talking about me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's older than you. Oh. Um, but <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Basically what? crawling to the grave. At this oh my point. gosh, oh, Matt, you're stop, the worst. <laughs> stop, stop youngin. All right. <laughs> oh no, she, so she, um, she has, I think, well, I mean, it was, it was from a while ago. I think, I think they had two kids at home and mm. they were, money was very, very tight. And so her husband was spending all hours at the office mm-hmm. and it was causing a lot of strain on their family. Yeah. And so they ended up going to see a uh, counselor, a therapist of some kind. And, and he was like, you like to the husband, you have to be home every night. You have to spend this much time with your kids. Right. Mm. And that was a really hard decision because they didn't know if they were going to have enough money. And so obviously they prayed a lot about it. They decided to do it. Um, he started being home and, and she just told me, she's like, we never had as much money in our whole lives. Isn't that crazy? You know? Huh. And it, like, that's a, that's obviously a cool story about how things worked. Yeah. Um, why? But how do you know? Well, why, like, well, was she, she not spending? Like, she maybe felt... She didn't explain she it to me oh, fully, but, you know, and she, and, you know, she obviously was like, well, obviously a God, God stepped in there and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the circumstances were, I mean, it, it worked. Yeah. Um, but how do you like, you know, there there are other things where it's like, you know, two people get married, they both have a bunch of student loans or something, yeah. they they're like still paying off whatever debt. They live in a little apartment. They're like, well, we want to have some kids, and it's like that's not a good idea, you know. And you could be like, well, I think the Lord has called us to be parents. I'm like, well, not broke parents, not mm. parents who can't feed a child, you know. Like if you have if you have no money, it's probably not smart to try to start to buy a house to have kids. I don't know. We we threw that one to the wind too. I mean, I think that's <laughs> like because we 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 were broke and we had kids and it all it, it did work out. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it it you know financially it's really challenging and there was some. It is these. This is a really good question because it's 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 harder than you think to answer it on the one hand you don't want to use god like um you know he does say in the book of is that malachi test me in this and i'll throw open the the gates yeah. right to, yeah. to you know tie tithe and and then people really take that as like a prosperity gospel kind of thing like as long as mm-hmm. i give to the lord i'm going to have more money or and, you know even in the situation with your friend like now that my husband's not working as much um now god's going to bless us and so kind of you know that god is always going to bless our efforts but there's some tension there like when you 
it's I think money is one of those things that are you going to believe the reality, look at your bank account and look at what actually is there, or are you going to live in non-reality, non-truth, where you're going to say, I'm going to keep on spending, everything's going to be just fine. Uh, it's hard to have to face up to that. So it's it's really challenging. I think, for me, giving first to the Lord is a big thing. It's a real, It just sets everything else up. And, and the times we miss that, I do feel like we've also seen more crap break down in our house, more stuff not work. And it just like, I thought we were catching up by not giving first. We're actually putting ourselves behind. And, and so that's mm-hmm. an- anecdotal uh, evidence on that too. Can you elaborate? Because I think so often the church as a whole is um, criticized for being money hungry. Sure. And I think it's because we see these prosperity gospel people on, you know, on TV, sow your seed and you will get, you know, and and ultimately they end up making all this money and whatnot. So why, you know, like how how do we dispel this idea that the, that the church is money hungry and how, how do we, you know, as, as believers, like why do we give? And like, will you explain that for anybody who might? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that's why. If that is your concern, give to something else besides the church. Just, you know, experience what it says in the Bible, says that Jesus said, and it's actually in the book of Acts, it's not in the Gospels, we don't hear it right out of Jesus' mouth, but the, it's must. he must have said it enough that the early Christians heard him say this. They said, and as we heard Jesus say, it is better to give than to receive. And um, so... I think to dispel that idea, first of all, I have no idea what people give at our church. I, 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 maybe I should pay more attention to our church's finances, but as a, I really, we have people in charge of that. We have people who look at that. I have no idea what anyone gives, and I want to keep it that way. I also try to leave with example, like this is what we do. We, we try to do 10%, the first 10% of what we make every time we get a check. Uh, sometimes that's a little later than that, but I try to still do 10% all the time. So hopefully I'm leading by example my own life. Uh, our income is fixed here. It's I'm not going to make more money if we have more people in church or, or anything like that. Or, or, or you know, this is what, what we make and what we make. If we have 10,000 members or two members is what we're going to make. Um, so I think talking about it in that way can help. I think... Um, I think generosity as a church, like how are you using the money? Like being... being uh, transparent so we we let people see kind of what our budget is and how we spend the money and and we have this link campaign about investing the community we were very transparent on that so i think transparency is a is a key but again i would say this is god doesn't need your money he owns it all so give however you want places you want to give just experience the joy of giving how that rewires your brain to remember that god is the one who who owns it all and uh, the church should be fine without your money. So we don't, we're not going to, we're not going to ask for that. Cool. And we say that every week. I mean, even as yeah. a church, oh, right, you know, Pastor right. Bill does that a lot. So I don't know. What do you think? No, I'm, I'm with it. I, I like that. And I think I've heard, I think I've heard it here. I think I've heard other pastors say, um, like, if you're unsure, if you're worried about it, if you don't know if you should give, don't. Yeah. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And he, right. wants, he wants you to want to give. It's not about the money. It's about, you know, what's in, what's going on inside you. Yeah. And it kind of ties in with, you know, you were, we were talking about, you know, that whole idea of reality and, and, uh, stepping out of, uh, stepping out of, of, of non-reality. And then what do you say to an unbeliever about, you know, trust and all that stuff? I feel like giving to the Lord reminds me that God's in control. Mm. And so it's actually an act of worship. It's an act of like, it just helps me remember like, oh yeah, he owns it all. It's going to be okay. The chaos is not going to overcome me. Um, and it's just an act of trust. And it's a physical way to, to tell my body and my life and my spirit and my family that we trust in God. So I think it's really important. Um, so, yeah. Now you tell me why you're so interested in finances. Are you going to, you want to maybe take some steps in working in the financial world? You were saying yeah. that, like that seems to yeah. be a, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm gonna try to be a financial coach, um, but I I mean the, the, personally the reason I'm interested in because I always like I used to always think it was just really stupid like 
the whole financial world there's like a hundred different terms for the same thing mm-hmm. it just seems like they made it so complex they give you like mortgage credit debit loan mm-hmm. lien all the, they all mean that you don't have enough money right but we have all these like <laughs> we have all these different words and that always really bothered me you know so you I, want to simplify things for people well yeah and that's what happened for me mm-hmm. it was like oh this is actually really easy you mm-hmm. know it's it's not necessarily easy to do it's it's easy to understand you know um and also i mean like not only is the federal government like so far in debt but the average american is also yeah, so far in debt yeah it's not a good situation people That's, yeah. you just like we're so good at you know like either having credit cards or payments or subscriptions or whatever and they it's they just put like a little tap into your into your monthly paycheck you don't even think about it and you're just like oh yeah eight bucks a month i can do that but then when people are trying to buy something you can't think well if i would have saved eight dollars a month you know i would have that money now yeah you know yeah i think the whole other thing that i don't know enough about right now but this whole crypto coin you know this oh. whole idea this is a <laughs> like it's crazy how much people are making oh, my word yeah yeah on this i mean i think it's going to cause a whole nother stir I don't. I didn't know about it until some people started explaining it to me in in words that I could basically kind of understand. I don't know how much you've looked into that or we invested in Dogecoin. Okay, made a little, <laughs> on Robinhood, made a little skrill off it. I don't know. I know that's what I mean. Like it's yeah. a quick investment, right? Did you invest or did you gamble? That's the question. Yeah, that is a yeah, that's a good question. I think crypto, which is I looked at because I was looking at it the other day, like two days ago. And in four years, the price went from like seven hundred to now close to sixty thousand. So, or uh, that's Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, that's just Bitcoin. But um, it's it's all I I'm seeing ads for it now. Like yeah, ads and you go you know jump in. You can invest because uh, it's not really in shares. It's just a you know the ratio. Yeah. So you just, you can throw in as little as a dollar and get started right. And I I think it's all hype. Because it's not, it's not a, it's not even a thing, you know. Right. It's just, it's just the hype. So as long as people keep thinking I can get rich doing this, they'll keep what buying. What is it backed by? I guess I, I really don't know. That's oh. it. Well, that's frightening. That's <laughs> supposedly, yeah. I think there's a lot more to it. They say it's more secure. They say it, it it's th- there's just this set amount. Uh, they say that it'll kind of take banks out of the out of. And yeah. we're we're none of us here are are going to be experts on this, but I think when it comes to financial world i mean what is it going to look like in 10 20 years we're gonna have a whole different financial discussion yeah uh so i wonder yeah yeah no it's it's it, the the idea is that you can like it's just like digital money right you can like use the digital money and okay fine we basically do that anyway now because everything's done online but the reason it doesn't make sense why digital money would go up in value like that you know it, unless you think that paper currency is like going to be obsolete then you then you think oh it's really valuable to have this but you're spending real money you know for digital money and you're hoping that money will it doesn't make a ton of sense so that's why it's all it's all speculation that that you can get rich doing it but i i know i I know a person that that did invest early you know and a couple couple dollars and now if he would cash it out right now it's like twenty thousand dollars you know and he just a couple dollars years ago and I think it's all about, you know, they're trying to decentralize that. That's the other big thing is not, not going to be bank dependent, decentralizing it. And again, I'm not, I don't know much about it. That's why I'm not having invested yet. Cause I don't understand it yet. And so I, I'm having a hard time, Smart. <laughs> but I think right now, and if you do invest, the one guy did tell me, he's like, don't invest anything you can't lose. And then he said, right. and then, and that, mm-hmm. so I, but I, I, I think if you are doing, you're probably doing some smart. He was he was comparing it to if you got in early or did it right now or whatever. Uh, he said, you know, this is kind of like getting on the ground floor of Google or whatever before it was yeah. big. So oh, I think there might no, be something sure. there too. It's extremely profitable, but but you don't really. I don't know. I don't think people know. I think the majority of people who buy and sell and just trade uh, crypto in general, they have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. All they know is that they could potentially get rich doing it. And mm-hmm. those are the people that end up losing money. Mm. Now, this is before your time, but there was a dot-com bust mm-hmm. in year 2000 or around that time where everyone was buying these online companies. And then he had this dot-com bust. 
in whatever 99 or 2000 i don't remember when that was i wasn't born yet <laughs> but i think that's kind of the same thing because there's all this type of these hundreds of different types of crypto coin and so everyone's trying to figure out which one's actually going to stick mm-hmm. and uh and i so I, so I think that's that's another thing that i think you're gonna get another bust and whatever it is the few are going to kind of shake out just like the few dot uh, com businesses have sh- stayed the test of time so we'll see what all happens it's going to be crazy again another reason to, to trust in, in god and not in our own reason so that's kind of a different turn sorry to bring up a whole nother subject you were probably not that's yeah, probably what you mean whatever so you know. anything else that you guys want to talk about before we close down no i think i'm good i think i'm good i really appreciated this this was really good this is helpful for me so yeah same all right adios amigos thanks for listening okay if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the climbing sycamores podcast feel free to email b sadler at victoryofthelamb.com b s a d l e r at victoryofthelamb.com If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.